Well, good morning and happy Sabbath, everyone. Um, I hope that you're doing well. Uh, I feel like the theme of uh, our streaming uh, intros have been uh, things are getting better and we're doing okay, keep pressing on. And then now it's kind of like, oh, back into lockdown. And I just thought it was quite appropriate that today's, uh, the, the next um, virtue in the fruit of the Spirit in our series of the fruit of the Spirit is patience. And so um, I hope that today as we explore patience together, that um, it would be a blessing to you and that it would give you strength and resilience and hope in the midst of this time of, of difficulty. Um, I'm going to invite you to join me for prayer as we um, as we open God's Word. Father God, I just want to thank you for this time that we have to uh, think about you, to have a moment of time where we can step away from the busyness of life and uh, and contemplate you. And I just want to pray that you would use these moments um, to bring hope into our lives, to bring instruction into our lives. And um, I just want to pray that you would uh, be with us um, and, and bless us as we as we read your word together. We pray in your name. Amen. Um, as you know, uh, we're in a four-part series on the fruit of the Spirit, and as we journey through the fruit of the Spirit, uh, I've been contrasting these uh, biblical virtues with the virtues of the current culture um, and in the world that we live in today. And just to go through um, and, and review some of these things, um, I think we've talked about uh, conditional love versus unconditional love and highlighting how uh, the Bible highlights a different quality of love. We've talked about joy um, and how that joy prioritizes others over ourselves. And there's a difference between the joy of the world and the joy that uh, the Bible talks about. Last time we talked about peace um, and how peace is relational rather than personal. Uh, usually when we think of peace, it's a personal virtue. We are at peace with ourselves, uh, but in Scripture, uh, peace makes the most sense in the context of community. So today, uh, we're going to be talking about patience. And I want to bring your attention um, really to this, uh, to the culture that we live in where productivity, uh, efficiency, and speed are all virtues. And so much of our work is kind of geared towards going faster and doing more. Uh, we have places to go, things to do. And um, as things speed up, it's kind of interesting how the pandemic has influenced our lives. And we, we've been given this opportunity to slow down and to take a breather and kind of change our pace of life. Um, and as we're given this chance, what do we do? We Zoom. We try to fit in more. We have more meetings, more productivity. Um, and the result is that we have less time, less time for one another, less time for God. And so today I want to talk about how patience can help us become rich when we are time poor. How patience can uh, make us uh, be rich when we are time poor. And so we're going to be talking about patience versus productivity. So I want to start by defining patience. Um, patience is yielding control. And the word patience has a bit of history in the English language. Uh, this noun refers to a character trait, but it also refers to a person under the care of a health a healthcare professional. 
In the Middle Ages, um, the healthcare ter- or this healthcare term came from the notion that anyone who suffered patiently was considered a patient. And so that's where we get that word today. So then being patient and being a patient have something in common. They both require a yielding of control to another. Um, so coming to terms with yielding control is going to direct today's talk. So the Bible describes God as a patient God. And in Psalms 100, or in Psalm 103 verse 8, it says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. And then in Exodus 34 6, it says, And the Lord passed before him, and this is Moses, and he proclaimed, The Lord, Lord, God, merciful and gracious, long suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. So the story of the Bible, um, oftentimes introduces God as someone who yields control or someone who is patient. And I think um, God God yielding control is best illustrated when we look in creation or when we look at creation. God creates beings that are allowed to go their own way. Uh, we have free will. We have the ability to choose to do what we want to do. And I think this is the ultimate... I guess, illustration or example of yielding control. And I think, uh, especially for those of you who are parents, you know the struggle of having little humans in your life uh, that you cannot control. And uh, this morning was a great example of that in our house today. Oftentimes, Saturday morning is the most stressful time of the week. It's a time where we need to practice the most patience because we just cannot control these little human beings. (laughs) And so... Um, I would like to say that uh, Saturday mornings are when we practice extra self-control and patience, but oftentimes that, that isn't always the case. So not only is God patient in the act of creation, he's patient in his interactions with creation. So the Bible says that God is love. Um, when you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 5 to 8, um, Paul describes love as not seeking its own. Love is not easily provoked. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And so these are, uh, this is describing what the character of God is like. Now I know, um, as you, uh, for some of you, as you hear this, the, the thought might come to your mind, what about the moments when God is not patient? There are examples in the Bible where um, someone gets judged immediately and they are struck down. And I, those stories are there in the Bible, and I'm not really um, here to really defend them. Um, but I would say that they are very few and far between. Um, and in a lot of those stories, they have very little context. In other words, we, we really don't know what that person is like. Uh, how did that person live their lives? Um, and... and I guess the difference between God judging individuals is that he sees the end from the beginning. Um, he is a fair and good judge. And so when those things happen, even though they seem uncharacteristic of God, um, the question then comes, how does this fit within the context of God's character overall as we see his interaction with humanity in Scripture? And so something that I find helpful is uh, by contrasting these moments where there is immediate judgment— um, and placing them in the larger story of God's interaction with humanity. And so as you read through the Old Testament and the New Testament, you see um, 
people rejecting God over and over and over and over again. And regardless of the faithlessness of people, uh, we see God's faithfulness. And um, that is illustrated many times throughout Scripture over and over and over again. Um, something else that I find helpful uh, when trying to, I guess, place these few stories where God seems to not be patient um, is by reflecting on my own life and reflecting on my own interactions with God. Uh, there are times when I think about those moments where um, God has been incredibly patient with me, where there have been moments where I have not wanted to let go of something that I knew that God wanted me to let go of, or there are times where I knew God was waiting. And through the years and years and years of um, my unfaithfulness or my disobedience, uh, I can reflect on those moments where I've sensed God's presence, where I've sensed God's patience and His kindness and His mercy. And um, that also helps me then look at the stories of the Bible um, and put them in their proper place. So in the last talk um, that I gave on peace, I shared how peace is communal. And today I want to say that patience is also communal. Um, you, you'll see a common thread in the fruit of the Spirit as we kind of examine each fruit um, as isolated virtues. We'll see that um, each of these fruits are designed for us to be other-centered. So while patience is also a personal virtue, the purpose of patience becomes more evident in the context of community. So in Romans chapter 15, verses 5 and 6, it says, uh, Paul writes here, May the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded towards one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, so, so far we've talked about patience as yielding control. We've talked about how patience is uh, best experience in community. And um, finally, as we define patience, I'd like to highlight how patience is the foundation for love. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, um, the very beginning of the definition of patience, um, Paul writes, love is patient. Um, the foundation of other-centeredness is patience. So now that we've laid that foundation for patience, I want to spend time talking about how we can apply patience in the context of our fast-paced lives. So um, the first thing that I want to talk about is time as a resource, time as a resource. Um, I think oftentimes we view time as a personal resource to spend. Um, so time has become this commodity. It's our personal resource. So we spend time, we waste time, we manage time, uh, we invest time. And it's more common to feel interrupted when someone takes too much of our time, or if we are the ones uh, who are doing the interrupting, then we are the ones that feel apologetic. But if we take our definitions of patience, which are letting go of control or yielding control, building community, and having a foundation for love, and we apply them to time, it changes the meaning um, of time and how we spend it. So I want to talk about God as the controller of time and what it means to yield our time to God. So um, yielding the future to God 
is kind of an interesting idea. When we acknowledge that God is the controller of the future, then that will determine how we spend our time in the present. And so the Bible talks about this future event, the second coming of Christ. Um, it's an event that effectively brings an end to time. And that future event is supposed to influence how we live in the present. And there are many um, Bible verses that, that talk about that. Um, and I just want to, I guess, be a bit transparent here in saying, while I believe in the second coming, um, I see it as a future event, um, something that may take place in my lifetime, but who knows? If I'm honest about my hopes and goals for the future, generally they don't revolve around the second coming. Um, I don't really think to myself, I hope Jesus comes soon. Um, and, and that doesn't mean I don't want Jesus to come back. I want Jesus to return. Uh, it just means I can't remember the last time that I thought to myself, um, I hope Jesus comes next week or I hope Jesus comes 10 years from now. It's just not something that I think about. Or that's just not the way that I think. So I am going to share my future hopes with you. And these, this is just a short list. And I just kind of jotted down the first things that came to my mind um, as, I, as I reflected on my future goals. So here are my hopes. I want my family to be happy. I want to be financially comfortable. I want to accumulate wealth so that I can pass on wealth to my children and they can accumulate more wealth. I want to be comfortable in retirement. I want to buy a comfy camper van and I want to drive around the country. And after we've seen everything that we need to see, we'll sell the camper van and move to another country and buy another camper van and travel that country. And after we're done, we're going to sell that camper van and move to another country. I haven't actually cleared this with Jinhub, <laughs> but, but there's just something about, um, that sense of freedom. Anyway, I won't go into that because that's not what we're talking about. So those are my future hopes. When things get in the way of me reaching these future, go uh, these future goals, um, if I'm honest, it triggers unhappiness in my life. Um, patience just goes out the window. Um, and so with these being my future goals, I think about 2020. And 2020 was shaping up to be a really big year for me personally and for us as a family. Um, I felt like things were in place to get me closer to my future goals. And this year we had um, more people signed up for church retreat than ever before. And you know what? I missed, I, I uh, skipped one of the goals. And, and <laughs> this is an important one because this motivates a lot of what I do. Uh, the final goal was I want to build a legacy I want to be a great pastor, not just a good pastor. I want to be a great pastor. Uh, I, I want I want to be known uh, for for the work that I've done here in Melbourne. And so, in light of that, 2020 was shaping out to be a big year. Um, you know, we had more people signed up for church retreat than ever before. Uh, we had also applied for significant funding for a ministry project here in the city. Um, and in 2020, I'm, I'm also coordinating church plants uh, for the conference. And I had this plan of how we would start new churches or new church plants throughout Melbourne. And the future was looking so bright. And then COVID-19 hits. And it just squashes everything. And in the midst of the lockdown, in the midst of the uncertainty of my hopes, um, it just kind of made me ask the question, God, what do you want? And if I reflect on my goals, I don't think that there's anything wrong inherently with any particular goal. But 
if I think about it, I'm not really sure that my goals are what God wants. And so as I was faced with this reality of, hey, these things may not come to fruition, it kind of made me reflect upon, is my heart in tune with God? There are a lot of vain goals in there. (laughs) I want to be comfortable. I want to be well off. I want to build a legacy. And, And it just made me ask the question, is that what God wants in my life? I've been reading through the Psalms, and I want to share one with you that caught my eye. Um, Psalm 90, verses 12 to 14 says, So teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, and have compassion on your servants. O satisfy us early with your mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad with all our days. If I were to reword this prayer, and actually, sorry, if you can go back to this slide. If I were to reword this prayer, it would sound like this. God, help me to know that I have a limited amount of time left here on this earth. Return and come back, O God. Teach me to be satisfied with your mercy and your love so that I can have wisdom to live out the remainder of my life. So I want to ask you a question. What are your hopes for for the future? How much of what you're trying to accomplish comes from a place of being unsatisfied? Would any of your goals change if you had a deep sense of acceptance and satisfaction? Would any of your goals change if the second coming were more of an actual event? The next thing I want to talk about is time as something that's communal. The Japanese theologian Kosuke Koyama um, talks about time as communal. He says that love has a speed and God's speed is full stop, nailed down. And it's at this point of full stop that the church proclaims that the love of God is fully revealed. See, God is slow because he is love. And if he were not love, he wouldn't slow down. See, the cross communicates that we can know, uh, that we can know that we have value, that we are loved, that we are accepted, that we are forgiven. God justified us so that we don't have to justify ourselves by hurrying here or there or accomplishing great acts of productivity. When our identity and value come from God, we're able to realize a different quality of our uh, quality in our relationships with one another. Relationships that are rooted in a different understanding of time. So again, referring to the Japanese, uh, again, referring to uh, Kosuke Koyama, he says that time used to be communal. And he says, the experience of time can be said to be a sense of continuity of communal fellowship. In other words, you have made the most of time when you have connected with others in meaningful ways. See, God gave us his time. He gave us his life, and that is the most meaningful experience of time that we can have. Oftentimes, time can be a master more than a friend, but it is in the context of patience that we then learn how to turn time into being a friend more than a master. Here's a fun fact. The earliest medieval clockmakers were Catholic monks. The original usage of the clock was to help regulate prayer time. So at the monasteries, the clock was used in the Western world originally to uh, to facilitate prayer time and then the different activities that they needed to do. 
Now, ironically, the clock isn't a tool for freedom. It's become a tool for bondage. And now we have deadlines that lock up our time. The poet Henry Thoreau says that we're becoming tools of our tools. Einstein had this really interesting theory of time. He said that time was relative. And if that's true, what you do can change the effect that time has on your life. So from a physics perspective, speeding up slows down time. But from a spiritual perspective, slowing down is what helps you maximize time. Slowing down to speed up may seem counterintuitive, but this spiritual principle influences the physical world. For those of you who may not follow Formula One, uh, knowing when and how to brake gives you a, or excuse me, knowing when and how to brake is the key to a faster lap. There are plenty of moments when drivers brake too late or they don't brake enough and they don't finish the race. Uh, they call it a DNF. They did not finish because they crash. And so there's something special about having moments when time is more of a friend than a master. I think the Sabbath is a great opportunity to have a 24-hour period of time from Friday evening to Saturday, or from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. It allows you time. It allows you to slow down. It becomes this place where you get to experience community, where you get to experience communion, not just with each other, but with God. And, and in slowing down, it gives you perspective on the fast-pacedness, the, the pace of your life. Psalm 1835 says this, and I'll just read it to you. It says, You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has helped me up. Your gentleness has made me great. Something profound about the gentleness of God, the patience of God that makes us great. Usually we often think of... Um, and, and I guess I've repeated this several times, but being productive is making us great. But there's something about just sitting in the presence of God and allowing Him to inform what greatness is in our lives. And that's really truly the secret to greatness. And, you know, you may not feel like you're doing enough spiritually. You may not feel like you're doing enough in life. And so the natural response is to speed up and to do more and try to make up for that which is lost. Um, but I want to encourage you um to have moments of time where God communicates his gentleness to you. Um, and in that moment, in that time with God, may you find greatness. Allow God's gentleness and his patience with you to rewrite the, the negative motivators of your life. I've found that prayer has been quite helpful for me, especially during this lockdown period. Um, I've been going on these walks along the Mary Creek, and there's this bridge where um, it's just a really peaceful part of the creek. And I've been spending maybe like an hour each time I go, and I try to go three, four times a week. And I just kind of, in the quietness of the the morning, um and just in silence with God, just kind of spending time with him. And for me, having this visual imagery is helpful where I kind of picture grace as a rolling river um, kind of in, uh, engulfing me. And and 
it's kind of in that moment where I just kind of feel God's presence. And, you know, it's such unproductive time. Like I'm not doing anything, but I found that it's giving me such strength and such perspective. Um, and it's giving me the ability to be more patient. And I, I'm not the most patient person in the world. You ask Micah, Joshua, and Jinha. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm not a patient person. But having that moment of slowing down is just feeding my heart. And um, I've been trying to practice this. Um, this uh, I don't. I don't think contemplation is the right word, but it's kind of being in this place of just being silent and practicing God being near me. And there's no. Uh, I'm not trying to accomplish anything. I'm not uh, trying to ask for forgiveness. And, and those things are important. But it's just allowing God's presence to then sit with me and um, I'm just building that relationship with God. And I, it's just been incredibly, incredibly um, helpful. And so I hope that in the moments of this time of social isolation and social distancing, that you're able to have those moments um, with God and, and that uh, you can experience patience and, and, and build love. May God bless you um, as you practice this out in your life. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, um, as we think about patience, uh, this fruit that you want to develop in our lives, um, as we have this very unique opportunity where there's so much uncertainty, where so many people are suffering and going through challenges, whether it be finances, whether it be the loss of loved ones, whether it be with sickness or uncertainty. Father, I pray that um, you would give us opportunity to connect with you, that we would step away from the busyness of it all, that we would yield control to you, that we would experience your love, that we would experience communion with you and community with one another. Um, and, and I just pray that you would bring about a sense of transformation in our hearts and may we experience greatness in our lives. Uh, we thank you for hearing our prayers. We ask this in your name. Amen.